Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Join Myra, Jeff with a G, Dr. Sam, Jeffrey, and me, Jeff with a J, as we work to debunk those leadership myths. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. The recording is in progress, which means we are back to No More Leadership BS. I'm Dr. Sam, longtime fan, first-time caller. This is our 100th episode, so thank you for listening. Whether it's your first time, you've been with us forever. Glad to have you here. The crowd goes rapping. It's a get the hoop and holler. It also means... I've never that, hooped. Um, we're good. You never hooped? Oh, anybody ever hooped? I've never hooped. I hooped all through high school. Uh, yeah. Hooper. Yeah, he was a yeah. big hooper. Yeah. Big holler, big but not a hooper. Don't know what it no, is. Yeah, he's got the hula to prove it. I've heard yeah. him stories. Seen the video. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> A hundred episodes in, we're going to be a little bit goofy in case you haven't noticed. And we're going to ask our group some questions. We've got five questions and a bonus. And spoiler alert, the bonus comes before the last question. So we're going to ask some silly stuff. Just have a little chit chat conversation. And we hope you enjoy getting to know a little bit more about us, some of our goofiness. And uh, here we are. First question. And I will point at one person just to get this ball rolling. We'll go G off. What is your biggest pet head? Teachers, we made it to the it's meeting good. with only 15 links sent, so you've not reward that kind of needed. <laughs> this is true. If you want me to be on, be here, you got to reward the little things I'm like, hey, you showed up, congratulations! Here's your trophy. <laughs> so, Geoff, what is your biggest pet peeve? Technology. <laughs> I know. I love it and I hate it all at the same time. It drives me freaking bonkers. I just want it to work. I don't know what buttons to push. I am old enough that I should know better, but I don't because I never thought I was like computers. These things are stupid. Nobody's ever going to use these cell phones. Nobody's ever going to use that. That's dumb. You just call on the old landline and you hope that somebody answers. No, now it's like everything. You have a damn computer in your hand all the time. And I don't like computers. I like human beings because they're easier to figure out than computers. So yeah, pet peeve. There you go. Got it. Nailed it. Wow. First try. I'm, I'm surprised. I really am surprised. I People that know me are going to be very surprised at that. They're going to be like, wow, I never saw that coming. Just and listen, listen, listener, the inside joke is every time we have a meeting, one of us, we won't mention names, Jeff McLaughlin, asks for a link to this meeting, every meeting. Now I'm not much better. I'm probably 50%, but he's pretty much around the, in the high nineties, high nineties. We've only had this meeting. I don't know what a hundred times. Yeah. Plus, yeah. Plus other meetings. So yeah, we'll say 200 times just to round up, just to round up easily. It yeah. should be somewhere in there. Nice. It should be somewhere. Nice. All right. Who's next on the pet peeve list? One of my pet peeves, Dr. Sam is the word can't. When, when some, when someone says, I just can't do that, it, it it's the textbook kind of visceral reaction. I just don't like the word can't. A lot of times can't shows up before they've even tried. And that just the whole mentality of not being able to do something when you haven't even really thought about what it would take to do it. Just the initial response is I can't, I just don't like that. And I like helping people modify that mindset to a more of a possibility mindset instead of one that says, I just can't do it. So don't tell me you can't do it. Really? Our nice. 100th anniversary episode and you come up with can't. I'm looking forward to the wisdom you're well, going to drop, Mr. Conrad. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is the 100th weekly episode, right? There's numerous podcasts that do two or three or four or five episodes every week. So 100 is not that big a deal. But for us, the big deal is figure this out. In, in another month, we'll be doing this for two years. And if we went back more than two years ago and sat around and said, 
what do we need to do to make this podcast happen and make it last for two years? I'm sure one of us would have thought or said, I'm not sure that can be done. But they and didn't it, say can't, can so, but they right. didn't say well, can't. <laughs> okay. Let me rephrase that. I don't think we can do that. I can't make it happen. Cannot make it happen. See, there you go. <laughs> I know one of us that can't make it happen because they have certain technical skills that are <laughs> just call it Self special. Self-identification. That's awesome. This, it, this is less of a chant and more of a burden. Everyone's it's got the crust can, to bear. It would probably really burn something down. How do I mute uh, other participants in this recording? <laughs> How do you make that happen? Um, I'm can't. sorry to share, but you can't. Yeah, let's call it the uh, <laughs> trifecta. Don Roy, oh, it's I, about your pet peeve. Well, I am just pumped that we're in our 100th episode. Like Geyer said, in four weeks, we're going to be doing this for two years. This came out of COVID because we wanted to do something. And uh, we still, one, like each other, heavy on the kind of. And I think we put out some pretty amazing content. Yeah? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, no, I, I think it's cool. I can't imagine it being any better. So you guys, I've done this on my pet peeve before. The thing that bothers me the most is the no problem is when you tell people mm. and everybody I hear, oh, it's generational. It's generational. Politeness is politeness is when you say, thank you, say you're welcome. And they, you know, when someone, a waiter or going to a checkout stand, I'll say, thank you. And they'll say, oh, no problem. I'm like, hey, give me a kidney's a problem. Pouring water, not a problem. So just say, thank you. That's it. I know it's stupid. You guys are laughing. Call me old. No, but yeah, but yeah, that's my pet peeve. That's my, I've written about it. I whine about it. It's got me nowhere. Don't let the compliment burn you. But I can't believe it's still happening. All right, Myra, no we'll share with us a pet peeve if you would. Go Myra. Well, this will not come as a surprise, I'm sure. Since I was either one or two episodes back, I was pretty vocal about it. But it's when somebody tells me what I should do. The word should just sends me over the edge. It's a really a pet peeve because they're making their rules mine and I make up my own rules. Thank you. And I don't think that they realize it. They're trying to be helpful. You guys, you had a lot of funny stuff, but this is a funny to me. It is, it's, it feels like it, it puts me in shame and I don't like that feeling. So don't ever tell me you should do something. Insert could. Nice. Could move back to Coeur d'Alene and be closer <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah, see, see that, makes, that makes it a, reverse. that makes it a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The reverse psychology, you should stay in Indiana. Yeah. Boom. To Myra, that's a hold my that's a hold my beer moment. Oh my exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hold my beer. Oh yeah. Hold my beer. Oh yeah. <laughs> so oh. my pet peeve is a it's a weird one. So from a leadership standpoint, it's people doing things without permission. So we want to change how we do our operations. We want to change our space, whatever. We're just going to do it as leadership. We're just going to decide and not ask the people actually affects it that. Corollary to that is silly part. Take <laughs> car. It's not your advertising space. It's not meant for your flyer or anybody's other information. In fact, so much so I got in an argument with yeah. a car dealership. That their little decal is not going on my car. I already paid for advertising. I'm like giving you free advertising. And the, the dealer chuckled. And my wiser half looked at him and said, This isn't a joke to him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We got, this is years ago. We got the car, showed up, and very clearly, Carl, come here. What's on the back of the car? It's, it's got what he goes. I'll submit some detail right now and got the detail off the car. <laughs> Already paid for it. Not paying free advertising. Thank you very much. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. That's, well, I you want to give me a nice discount. License plate covers. When you buy a car, it'll have the, it'll have the automotive name on the back. They might. Yeah. And no, they'll I, I, I've taken mine off. Yeah, exactly. I take, mine I take off. it off right away. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So new topic. Let's imagine you've played that game that you should take that sticker swear off. By. You should take that sticker off. But Thank you can't because I know, I know, but I know you can't. You can't because they're <laughs> magic stickers and they have technology glue. This is what happens when you get too many high eyes on this damn thing. Right. No problem. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. You've just won 
$500 million lottery. And aside from all the logistics and all the nonsense, what's your first big spend? Money in hand, first big spend. Taxes. After taxes. A billion, you've got 500 million <laughs> now. Okay, there you go. The government got their small portion of the pie to run the world. They're I 50%. Mean, Exactly. You've already dedicated that sum to them. It's your donation. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. Gosh, what do you do with $500 million? I'm glad a hundred episode only happens once. <laughs> I don't have the kind of energy. There's a le leadership podcast. What would we do? My, my first recommendation, and it's what I would do is I would pay for the stuff I've already bought. Right. I, in my case, it would be, I'd finish paying off the mortgage on my house which every month is becoming a very, a much smaller, you know, nut to crack, but. I'm looking for Dave Ramsey. Is he? I, I know, right? Pay for the <laughs> things you've already bought. But in serious, seriously, the first thing I would do with my net money was probably invest it in some kind of, here you go, Conroy, tax-free municipal. Yeah. Fund. It's only going to return one or 2%, but if you put 250 million in there, your annual take's going to be two and a half million or $3 million. And then I'd make a lot of people, starting with my family first, have them pay for stuff they've already bought. And then yep. I'd, try, I'd try to use the rest of it to make the world around me just a little better place. Amen. Awesome. 100%. And yeah, of course, that tax-free muni bonds wouldn't be in cities like San Francisco and stuff like that. I mean, you'd have to pick <laughs> one that they'd actually could pay you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all pretty much on the same page with that one. Yeah. Because yeah. my wife and I have had this conversation before. We said that we would take 25% of it and just blow it. Just rent a jet, grab the kids and grandkids and travel the world. And your podcast friends. And your podcast friends. That's right. <laughs> and all of our technical equipment, except for Jeff's. Right, right. You can borrow ours. Um, <laughs> Mine won't work anyway. Hey, just speaking for the group. Just speaking for the group. Jeff on a rental program. <laughs> rent a Jeff. Rent a Jeff. All right, yep. today, folks, we have three Jeffs in stock and more to come next week. <laughs> and then the other 25%, I would like to use Geyer's words, help family pay off stuff that they bought, including sibs, pay off houses, pay off cars, things like that. And then invest the other 50% in the same manner that Mr. Geyer would invest and live nice. off the interest, live off the interest on that one. So some secluded island, I don't know, like Maui or something. You're going to buy Maui? And he, yeah. he thinks Maui is secluded. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Other people have bought islands before, so it's not impossible. You no. can have your own. Yeah. I'd get a nice place out in the woods. I'd get a nice little little getaway cabin. It's just, I can go to that I can just chill at where there's no technology. And your family, right? I don't know how long my boys would last without technology. They'd be like, dad, this sucks. We're going just, home. I'm like, just, okay, fine. I'm recording this. Can you speak a little louder so I can send this to your wife? Just a little louder. Oh, my no, wife, so I would take with me as long as I have a pool and a hot tub. I can do a wood-fired hot tub. I know how to build that. I can get that done. But oh my goodness. Yeah, no. Yep. Help pay off the debt. Fully fund. This would be my big one is I would fully fund some of the, the nonprofits that I'm absolutely passionate about. Mm -hmm. Start like a, a trust that fully funds them every year so that they can do the work that they do and, and not they have work. to worry about fundraising, which I love fundraisers. I think they're great. But I don't like the fact that a lot of nonprofits that are doing amazing work have to have fundraisers that they're not just fully funded to because they're doing hard work. Yeah, That's answer. pretty much what I would do. Yeah, debt, get a little off-grid place and fund things. I'd also spend a little money to go visit Myra. I would actually spend a little money to bring Myra out here against her will if possible. Wow. <laughs> wow, a hostile takeover. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll just move your entire house out here. We'll figure that out. Even Earl. We'll bring Earl. Even Earl. We'll bring Earl. <laughs> Talk about against your will. Oh, my goodness. I won't even know what's happening. We'll just put up pictures against the windows. and Yeah. So the green, he's there. Green screens. Green screen. Yeah. Yeah. How's that for technology? I don't even know what that is, but it's okay. Uh, Let's do awesome. it. That's awesome. Oh, dear. Myra, how do you spend your winnings? That's easy. I'd move out to Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> and that's Actually, about the price tag you need. Well, I'll get you started. 500 million. I got a futon. I'd take about 10 million of it and move out there because there's a specific spot I have in mind that I want to purchase. And not just for myself, but I have this dream of a retreat center for women. Oh, love that. And it's up in the... 
Wolf Wolf Creek. Is that what it is? Wolf Lodge. Wolf Lodge mm-hmm. area. Wolf Lodge. Yeah, Lodge area. area. Yeah. It sits on 19 acres and it is just perfect. Besides, couldn't we have fun when you guys would all come to visit? We can podcast mean, out there for sure. Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> Reconnect with yeah, nature. That, I'd be all over that. Treat that's, Center for Women? For women, yeah. yeah. Not that we couldn't use it for something else, but that Dyer's would be excited. his primary purchase. <laughs> then I would pay off all my kids' mortgages because I want them to not struggle under the mortgage. But I'd also put a little caveat on it if you couldn't refinance. I'd have to have that mm-hmm. written into the... Because right. I have never handed my kids things. I've worked with them that they had it. I would never let them fall. But anyway, then I would build, I would fund, I love your idea. I would fund a whole Habitat for Humanity house. There you go. Yeah. And that would Call it Myra's and start, house. start a movement with it. Yes. Yeah. That's and beautiful. challenge, challenge other people to step up to the plate. Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. we don't build houses, we build communities, and yeah, and that's why I don't think that I would fully fund the organization because that would take away from our community being mm-hmm. able to be participate with it. But I would challenge them to step up to the plate and know how good it feels to see your community being built over the multiple pebbles thrown in the pond. Yeah, it raises raises up the. And then I would blow it on a whole bunch of furniture. Let's see. I think I'm up to about $100 million maybe if I'm. And then I'd rent a jet. I'd pay prepay it because I don't want to own one, a private jet. Smart. I just prepay the rental, however many years I got left. And I'd go for 10, then I probably wouldn't be interested. That's more of it. And then we could go any place we wanted to. Like that. And That's the true. rest I would put in... I don't know, some investment. I don't even know what that would be at this point because I'd like to invest in people. I would love to invest in in my retreat center, bringing really inspirational people in to help, yeah. to help inspire women, that, especially in midlife. That's, that is where my heart is, how people get stuck in midlife. And to know that there's a really beautiful side when you make it through that, sometimes they don't always get that. So yeah, that's a long way around of saying what I would. That's cool. Yeah. But the cool thing about donating money to nonprofits, I'm familiar with it, is you can restrict it. You can restrict the funds. You can say, I want the funds to just pay for staff payroll for the next 10 years or whatever. It's, right. all, it's all it's going to be. That's the glory of restricting funds. Instead mm-hmm. of just willy-nilly giving somebody a million dollars, you can say, you get, you have like to. Like the government. This. You give them money and they just <laughs> what they want. Willy-nilly. That could be, that's episode 105. That'll be episode 105. Yeah. <laughs> and here's how we're restructuring taxes so that they actually benefit the people. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And now I'm on a watch list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Too bad you never get on a plane again. So yeah, this is being recorded. I disavowed Dolph's opinion fully and completely. Not related. Just generally did what, speaking. Did it what Sam said. Generally speaking. <laughs> my big fat pile of money. Of course, pay off all the things you have to pay off. And then my big spend would be to put my money where my theoretical mouth is. I like to read and watch things about behavioral science, behavioral economics. And there's a, a organization called Ideas 42 that does studies and research about how to help people in poverty, people experiencing, um, what did I just say? People in poverty? Yeah. Okay, I came out right. It sounded weird in my head. Uh, people experiencing homelessness. There's ways to solve those problems. And we, in some ways, choose not to do it. And there's been research that shows you can't get it done. So I put that money against that and demonstrate how these things can actually happen. I think there'd be some really cool opportunities there to see some, do some good and be a little bit creative about it. I think it'd be fun. I would mm. say, I would say do something like that within a community, within a community, but what will happen, and I, did, I saw it when I built the help center, is we're on I-90. And so it, it is literally a freeway for homeless people. So it truly was, a, if you build it, they will come. So you won't just get community people, you'll get people from Seattle and Portland. Sure, sure. Missoula. My understanding is that happened in Missoula years and years ago, they started having some really good mental health. And so it brought more people in. There was an overflow. They couldn't serve the folks Correct. that ended up showing up yeah. with a different kind of issue. But yeah. again, yeah. if you got millions and you can convince other people to send some of their millions. Exactly. Some funds to put exactly. Make like a think tank type of thing. Yeah. yeah. I like that. It's good. Think tank. 
Cool. Yeah. So next one up, what do we do to relax? I'm going to take the lead on this one. If the weather's good, I like to go hiking. It just helps me, help my brain. If the weather isn't awesome, with my nerdness coming out, I play Legend of Zelda on the Switch. I love that game. Breath of the Wild was the one I played forever and ever. There's a new one coming out called Tears of the Kingdom. And my son showed me a preview video. And I instantly put it on my wish list. Get that game in my house instantly. It's not even available yet, but bring it on. Dr. Sam Jennings, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Sam Jennings, right there. Thank you. I'm here all week and then for another 100 episodes. He's 12. If it helps, Dr. Sam, I I literally watched that video last night with my son and we geeked out because the very first year of my wife's marriage, my wife and I, when we were married, which we still are, caveat, we're still married. Still my practice wife, just taking a very long time. I'm easily trainable. But we spent the first year because we were so poor <laughs> and we played the Ocarina of Time, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And right. like for an entire year, like date night, every night we'd go and play for <laughs> an hour and a half, two hours. We finally actually printed off the, uh, the guide so we could actually know what to do. Because I was like, I don't know where to go now. I'm like. Yeah, so we spent a year playing a video game, which was like the first year. We loved it. We still love the Zelda games. They're our favorite. That's awesome. My wife's a, my wife's a idiot. She's playing Red Dead Redemption and she's playing The Last of Us. And as I'm reading a book, she and my son are talking video games as my eyes glaze over. I'm like, I really don't have two shits to give. So, hey, my friends, who else has their relaxing <laughs> item up for discussion? Golf. I'm a big golfer. Golf. Like golf, like going for walks. If, like you said, if the weather's not good, I like to read. Yeah, just chill. I like to do the opposite of what I do all the time. I like to do something with my hands. And that is gardening. That could be some kind of craft. I'll get it. I call it a creative attack when I just have to shut down my brain and do something with my hands. I like to bake. I like to nice. cook. Just something that does not take a lot of bandwidth, mind-wise, and yet it does create creativity. I don't mean to say that it's not, I don't mean to say it's mindless. It's Mm -hmm. a different kind of mind than when you're trying to sit there and figure out, you know what I'm talking about. So pick it up what you're putting down. Okay. But it's just a... When I was pondering that, I thought there is so many things that I like to do. One of the things I like to do is get on here with you guys because it changes my world for a whole week. It just really does it relax you? Not probably <laughs> <laughs> no, but you walk away with belly chuckle. But you walk away with some new swear words and some new dirty jokes. <laughs> oh, I walk away with a lot more than that. <laughs> And I'm going to watch my phraseology. Uh, I, I smell what you're stepping in. I smell what you're stepping in. Uh, but it's just, um, I like to do a whole bunch of stuff. But there's times I just have to shut it off. I don't even want to read. I don't want to even think. I definitely don't want to look at the news. I just want to make something. I don't care what it is. Oh, nice. I love that. You bake it, I'll eat it. So we, I'm, that's a good team right there. Pick me. Gary, how about you, sir? Yeah, for me, Sam, um, probably for almost my entire life, I've always liked to be around people. Mm-hmm. Didn't really understand why until however many years ago, a decade ago or whatever, when the whole disc profiling thing came in into my purview and I learned that I'm a high eye on the disc profile scale. I'm a people person. I'm more oriented on people than I am on tasks. And so what I do to relax is anything that involves people. Not that I can't or don't sit down and read a book. I don't play video games. Sorry, guys. I don't do any of that. But boy, if I could go out to dinner with friends or go see families or talk to the neighbor over the back fence, that kind of stuff is relaxing to me. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Geoff. Oh, I was the same. I, I, so I like a lot of things. I'm very active in a lot of things. So relaxing, getting out in the woods. I do that every single day, unless I'm in a city working, in which case I try and find trees that I can smell because like the cities drive me crazy. Then <laughs> I like to go into cold water. I do that everywhere I go, no matter where I am. Uh, I know that's for me, that's relaxing. It helps me reset and just 
makes mm-hmm. me present in the moment. I do like to play video games, but like the old school video games with the old school controllers that are easy, that only have a few buttons because all the new ones with 37 buttons and 3 million different ways to move stuff, I can't quite figure out. Anything that involves generally people or activity, I like those things. So I do those through right. relax. And, yeah. nice. I even like to read. I do like to read as well. So I like pictures. Long time. Lots well, of pictures in the books. Pictures as long as they got pictures, I'm good to go. Dick and Jane. Yeah, those are good ones. I can read all those words. <laughs> Almost never get those words wrong. All right, friends, new topic. For ready, what is one of your favorite childhood toys or games? Okay, I got this one. <laughs> I'm a twin. So my favorite childhood toy was my sister. Absolutely. <laughs> I was bigger than her. I'm the freakishly large giant in my family. Everybody is small and tiny. So it takes all three of my siblings to team up on me and I can still take them out because they're all still tiny and I'm way bigger and stronger than they are, which they'll never listen to this. So they won't challenge me on that. But yes, I would take her and I would put her in things. So we have an entire series of pictures of me putting her in a bucket, me putting her in the dryer me putting her in a hole in the ground and trying to bury her. Just all the fun things that you do with your siblings and especially if they're smaller than you. What is wrong with you? We didn't have technology when I was a kid. You had to entertain yourself. (laughs) They're like, here's your sister. Go outside and play. Wow. So many jokes, so little time with that one statement. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. Dude. I don't know why. She still loves me. She yeah. does. I don't know. Next. Why. Next. 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 <laughs> next story. Geoff just made the case for more screen time. Friends. <laughs> or screening. What happens when you're bored. Where'd your sibling go? I don't know. They're somewhere in the house. I lost them. Where's your sibling? Where Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Did you dig? <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. All right, friends, childhood toy or game? Who's next? Earl, I'm from this little town in Eastern Oregon called Pendleton. Love my, love my hometown. But this is before video games and you're talking 1970s. So we used to, we had a block. We lived on the southwest part of town and we had a block that had a ton of kids on it. So as the sun went down, it was always after dinner. We would always all get together and play games almost every night and especially during the summer that's that block was our playground and we would play games and we'd play games where if cars went by with headlights if the headlight hits you you're dead stupid game like that my brother and i <laughs> used to st- stand out in the street and play hot let's throw, throw the ball as hard as you can at each other and i just visited pendleton not too long ago and i went to our block and my old house and realized how small that house was for the six of us and but i'm looking at it and i'm thinking we used to throw the ball at each other as hard as we can and if we missed it, the ball would go for freaking miles. Miles, I mean, it I would roll. roll down and we're like, like, so there was incentive to catch to to catch the football or catch the baseball or whatever it was. But yeah, that was that was the big game. That was the big big game on Twenty Eighth Street in Pendleton, Oregon. Yeah, the ball. Awesome. Yes, there you go, Earl. Let's, let's, all right, I'll jump in because why not? So favorite childhood toy. This is a bit of a stretch, but the more I think about it, is my bike. I was on my bike. Sun up to sundown, all time, all yeah. spaces, all kinds of terrain, all that stuff. And it was just a part of me when I was a kid. And yeah. I had significant wreck on that. <laughs> it was just, let's go over the jumps. Let's go down this trail. Let's go up the street, down the street. It was awesome. And it yep. was, like I said, all time. And there's this little group of us in this tiny town I grew up in. Boys on our bikes. It was just older teenagers with their cars. It was just how it was. And we all hunted our bikes ever all the time. It was great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That was freedom. Myra, how about you? I don't know that I had a favorite toy. My dad would, much like Jeff Conroy, he made these big toys that everybody in the neighborhood came. One of them was you hung on to like a triangle-shaped piece of um, metal that was attached to the top of this tall pole. And somebody stood in the middle and pulled on it. And you went around until your legs were sticking straight out. We had all kinds of the cool toys in our yard that brought in. His mom always said that she'd rather have kids come to, there than to have wonder where we were. That on the day that they did irrigation, they we had flood irrigation. 
So they would flood our yard and everything that was in the river also became part of our yard, like little minnows. And but we loved it. We were out there splashing around. And But I always liked adventures when I wasn't a big toy kid. I just liked adventures. And with eight kids, we didn't have a lot of toys. I'll just be honest with you. But what we did is we went camping. And two, two, year, two weeks out of the year, we went up to John Day River. And the North Fork of the John Day, and that's some of the best memories of my childhood. They used to have gold dredging back in the day, and they still had big pilings, still Mm -hmm. had some of the gold dredgers up there. And we would go exploring, and just the best memories on the John Day River. So that that was my toy. Did you go up to Immigrant Springs and things like that? I loved loved Immigrant Springs. Anthony Lakes? Anthony Lakes. Yeah, my sister practically lived up there after they moved to Cove and uh, that was that's where she practically raised her her boys was up there yeah Earl if you don't know Myra and I grew up 22 miles apart a few years apart and that's and she's from Anderson Indiana she lives in Anderson Indiana and I live in Coeur d'Alene Idaho and when we met there was the great story of Myra would tell me that she and her sister would sing during the Pendleton Roundup and there was this medicine man with stage and they were invited up on stage to sing and come to find out that medicine man was my father. So Myra and I bonded then and there. The world just went, the world just went real small, yeah. real quick. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Mr. Mr. Guy, what did they play within the stone age? What's that? <laughs> nice. That's nice. I was going to say rocks, thick and wheel. Rocks or stick. Yeah. Rocks or stick. Sticks. Stick and wheel. Stick and wheel. Yeah. Uh, I wish. No, I won't say that. What, little, house, little house on the prairie. What, what I remember, one of my favorite toys, it was actually a favorite toy of my younger brother and mine, were the control line model airplanes. The ones that yeah. you controlled them by a string and you stood in the center of a circle. They, the, those airplanes were made by Cox. I remember having a PT-19. It had a blue fuselage and yellow wings, and we would fly those things for hours after we got home from school. We did that instead of doing our homework, I'm sure. But we got so good that just the two of us, we had figured out how we could start these airplanes and we would both stand in the center of the same circle and fly two airplanes together. We had attached crate paper to their tails and the whole idea was to cut the crate paper of of the plane. And we, we spent hours and hours flying control line airplanes. That's cool. Mm. Which may be why there's airplanes on, on uh, pictures of airplanes. on. <laughs> I the wonder where you got your chat for airplanes. <laughs> That's cool. Wow. Okay. My guess is this. If we gave that toy to a kid right now, would they ever figure out how to use it? Yeah. I'm sure they would eventually. We can say the same thing about a dial-up phone too. The, ro- the rotary phone. <laughs> rotary phones, yeah. You could also say the same thing about my cell phone. Will I ever figure right. out how to use it? Probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Give it to your kids. They'll tell you how to use it. But they change your background and I can't figure out how to change it back. They changed my name on there. That's funny stuff. All right. So this is where we go out of order. We're going to have the bonus question before the last question, because this question is a challenge by choice. And here's the whole setup. What's an embarrassing moment you've experienced that you're willing to share, have recorded and published to the world? Does anybody have that embarrassing moment? I plead the fifth on the grounds that it may incriminate me. Okay. Kids ask me this all the time. They're like, what's your most embarrassing moment? And I'm like, I, and I finally thought of it. I was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what it is. And it happened half my life, a half a life ago. I was 21 years old, 21. I was an adult with a mostly functioning brain. And (laughs) I finally realized that my cousin was adopted. And everybody's, that doesn't seem like a big deal. And I'm like, okay, I was 21 years old. I'd known her since she was two years old. And they're like, why didn't you know she was adopted? I'm like, cause she's Asian. And so it, I was like, I, it never occurred to me that she was not my blood relative. Good one. And I knew her brother was adopted and he's a pasty white guy like myself. Cause they told me he was adopted. They never said she was adopted. All of a sudden I show up at their house and I'm like, oh, this, they're like, this is your cousin. I'm like, okay, cool, sweet. And she's Asian. And it took me until I was 21 to realize. And I had that epiphany at 
a Thanksgiving dinner and my entire family was like, are you kidding? And I was like, nope, just figured it out right now. I'm like, you're adopted. <laughs> Slow yeah. burn. Slow burn. Slow. They still give me a hard time about that. Like, hey, it's your Asian cousin. Yep. She's adopted. Thank you. I know that now. Captain Obvious. I know. I know. I just didn't realize. We just loved her so much. It was like, she's just family. It didn't matter. It's like, but I don't know. I don't know why I never figured it out. Just a little slow sometimes. So I've got one that, uh, yeah, I don't mind sharing. I was new in my position and the person in the office next to me in our office suite, her name is Joella. And uh, I'd been there for a matter of months. And Joella comes in excited and says, Sam, they just said your name on the radio. I said, all right. What, what's that mean? There's certain people that get called out every week and they're eligible for a prize. Oh, sweet. I said, so what happens though? They call me and tell me I won. She goes, no, you have to listen and see if you hear a name. All right. What's the station? You know, give me some idea here. So I turn on the radio. Eventually I had a meeting or something. I get, get to the radio, turn it on and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And I think she told me usually they're announced by noon or whatever. So I was getting ready. I had to leave. I was like, well, I'll just call up. Maybe I missed it. So I called up the radio station and said, I heard that, that my name was called. I was drawing. I, just, I don't know how this process works. I'm wondering, I win. And the guy said, that's a really good question. And unfortunately, I don't know the answer. And also we're live on the air right now. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> I didn't know I was interrupting your interview. Started cracking. I was like, all right, I guess maybe I didn't win anything there. So thanks for your time. Everybody's not going to share it now for the world because it was live already. It's the flip of the year. And that's just how I roll. Uh, I have one that it might, I don't, it didn't embarrass me, but it sure embarrassed my mother because I had no filters when I was young. And like oh. Jeff said, <laughs> I don't have very few at this, at my age, you know, at this old age, but. And my sisters and I sang together in a trio and we sang up at the penalty roundup. And one time when Jerry Lewis had his telethon, he used to record it at different places. And it was up at the Pendleton Armory. I can remember that for some reason. I was nine years old. And we were getting we're backstage getting ready to go be called out. And the stage manager was standing there with my mom and I was pulling at my britches because we're all dressed up in costume and all that. And he looked at me, says, you're all right. And he says, and I told him that this is the first time I've ever worn a girdle and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> at nine years old, nice. I thought my mom was going to die. And I thought he was going to just come apart. But she reminded me of that so many times. Yeah. That was back when you wore girdles. That was just what you did. <laughs> I haven't worn a girdle since. Nope. Give those up some <laughs> time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was, I don't remember being embarrassed, but she told me enough times that I felt her embarrassment. Mm. Nice. So when I started at St. Vincent de Paul, I started on April 1st. It didn't mean anything to me. And I was brand new and I was working with the outgoing executive director. And when I got there, first phone call came in there's a kid missing from one of the programs. And I'm like, okay. Then the executive director gave the orders, start this process and start this process. And I'm like, oh man, that's, that kind of sucks. I hope they find that kid. About a half hour later, the store director comes in. Oh yeah, we're missing about a thousand dollars from yesterday's sales. I need to file a report with the police. And the executive director gets missions in order and stuff like that. And I'm like, damn, that's just crazy. Then the next one was in the dining hall. You get a call. There was a fire in the dining hall and there was just Every 30 minutes or 45 minutes, there was somebody calling in saying, ah, there's this emergency. This And I was getting to the point of what the hell have I got myself into? And is there, is it always going to be like this? Because I'm going to kill myself. This is going to waste me. I'm out of here. And then around 1130, they said, okay, the the firemen are here for the dining hall. Let's go over to take a, take a look at the dining hall. So I follow the executive director to the dining hall, to the kitchen. And I walk in and there's a big group of staff saying, April fools. And I was like, y'all are fired. So I'm like, <laughs> you guys are all out of here. Because I was really questioning my decisions. Right. I was like, damn it. <laughs> so. Why oh dates matter gosh. and time uh, matters. I didn't even think about it. I was like, it's just another day in the life. Yeah, man. 
Mr. Geyer, what say you? I don't know. I When I think back, there's probably so many things that I've done or said or didn't do or didn't say that that caused an embarrassment. And most of them I don't really remember. I'm sure there's a lot. I do remember one time, though, I was a young airman in the Air Force. And I don't know that I've told this story before. Maybe I have. But I worked in the Tactical Fighter Weapons Center at Nellis Air Force Base in Lost Wages, Nevada. And that's where the base commander was and the whole thing. And long story short, they had a weapons center golf tournament. And I, as a, I think I probably had two stripes at the time, a young airman got paired on the team that had the weapons center commander. And I'd never golfed before. So we're standing on the first tee and I said, sir, this is the very first time I've golfed. I'm going to have a good time. It was a best ball tournament, I think. So nobody was really too concerned about it. And I just want to know, I just wanted to let you know, I've never done this before. And he said, it's no problem, son. And he reached into my bag and pulled out the putter and handed it to me. It said, said, here, use this. And I knew enough about golf that the putter was supposed to be on the end of that particular hole. You don't use it at the beginning. But I said, yes, sir. And I teed off and and the the rest of the round, I think, was probably pretty uneventful. But I learned two things in that moment. Number one was, as long as whatever the boss is asking you to do is honest and legal, right? Doesn't break any of God's laws or man's laws. You right. probably should go ahead and do it. And so when the general said, here, son, use this. That the, it was, yes, sir. And the second thing I learned is that embarrassment is a self-imposed thing. Other people don't put it on you because he, he, at least I didn't get the sense that he was purposefully trying to embarrass me. He was trying to help me. And in fact, it, it did. The only hole that day I teed off with a putter was the first hole. And that's two things. If it's honest and legal, you probably should do it when the boss asks you to do it. And number two is embarrassment's usually self-imposed and you should look at it. If you're feeling embarrassed, you should look at it and determine what can I learn from this? And in the, my golf story, I learned I need to go to the driving range and learn how to use the driver. All right, friends. Closing question. Please give your 25-year-old self some advice in a way that they'll actually listen. Oh, wow. I don't know if it, they'll, I would have listened, but I would have tried to tell myself, don't take it personal because mm. it's rarely personal. And that, yeah, that I have, I've struggled with that. Until, um, not just lately, but it was something that I struggled with and had to get over. And uh, I wish I would have known that a lot earlier because it would have saved a lot of grief. Mm. Yeah, I think mine, Sam, was, and like Myra, I don't know that I would listen to myself. And I don't recall other people trying to tell me. But what I would tell myself back then is when opportunity shows up, even when you're not expecting it, you should examine it or take a look at it. And my two examples are around athletics. I, When I was in high school, I was a basketball player and we were a pretty good team, ended up winning the state championship and undefeated and all that kind of stuff. And the University of Washington contacted me and wanted me or was interested in me being on their crew team. So on their men's crew team. I was like, I don't know nothing about rowing a boat. And I didn't even talk to him. And now I don't know that I'd have made the crew team. The University of Washington's got a pretty good men's crew team. Or at least they did back then. I don't know what I, if I'd have made the team or not. But the point is, I didn't even go talk to them. It was an opportunity that I offhandedly dismissed. And I would try and teach my, and there's a couple other examples like that. I would try and tell myself that there are opportunities and you should at least go talk to people and learn more about it before you offhandedly dismiss it. Nice. I have, Jeff? I have two. I have two. Mm-hmm. One is by Microsoft and Facebook stock. <laughs> um, but, a good one. but the serious, the real one for me would be, be more in the moment. Yeah, I was 25 years old, 15 and a half, you say 25 year old self or half my age? What was the question? 25 year old self. 25 year old self. I was a dad with a new baby girl and I was about providing and, and it was, it's always been go, go bigger, better, keep going, go raise more. My, my wife was home with my daughter, just go. 
And at 59, I look back and go, God, I wish I would have spent more time with, or God, I wish I would have done that better. That's what makes having grandkids a little redemption for me. But uh, yeah, be more in the moment. Enjoy, enjoy the now. And buy Facebook nice. and Microsoft. Yeah, I was going to say for me, buy, definitely buy uh, Apple, Facebook, and, you know, damn it, child, buy, buy the house. Buy the house. Exactly. <laughs> Multiple exactly. opportunities where I was like, don't let that be a stretch. I just don't want to, I don't want to pay that much. I really like my, my $300 a month mortgage. I really like that. I don't want to, I don't want to get anything else. And now it's multi-million dollar properties that I'm like, exactly. I could have got that for yeah. nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing at the time. But yeah, I think that being fully present for me would be the same because I didn't have kids at that point. I actually, I wasn't even married at that point. I hadn't even met my wife. I think I was about to meet my wife just about. And yeah. it's like, oh yeah. We were young so, and stupid. Yes, young and stupid. <laughs> like I was living, I was very good at living in the moment. I was very good at being fully present because I was doing theater and that kind of stuff. But I was also not thinking about the future. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely tried to say, hey, listen up. There's going to be opportunities. Be open to them. Yeah. Look for them because they will come to you and many of them will. And it's, a, it's just a chance. Just look at it. You said buy the house. Remember 2008 during the housing market crisis? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Riverstone, all those condos in Riverstone were oh, going for yeah. 125000 Yep. I remember and that. They I, had big banners up, 125000 125000 yep. I remember my wife driving up, and we just bought our new house, and we were driving down there and going, oh, it'd be really fun for 125000 Maybe have a mother-in-law's quarters, and or we can move here because you know, someone else can plow my snow and mow my lawn. That'd be really right. cool. It'll be really awesome. Nah, we didn't, because yeah. we're Conroy's, and we buy high, sell low. That's what, that's how we roll. <laughs> yeah. You know how much those condos are going for now? Mill. Yep. A mill. Yep. I tried to convince my brother-in-law to buy one. He was in the military. He was literally living on my couch. Yeah. And he's been career military. He's got a math. He could have paid cash for that. He could have bought three for cash. And I was like, dude, just get one of those. I don't want to spend that. I don't want to live there. I don't want to spend that money. It's just bad investment. It's not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And while we're all thankful that everybody's listening, we just have to regret you can't see because we may or may not have Myra at the next one or two episodes because when Jeff said it was a threat to five thousand, Myra's a real estate background. She could, she fainted dead away. So we're hopefully <laughs> gonna arrive in the next episode. It would have been a great women's retreat. <laughs> you could have bought the entire complex. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I just think back at that. And I'm like, typical Conroy move, buy high, sell low. Jesus. Oh yeah. Could have bought a six flex oh. for two hundred thousand. So isn't some of the isn't some of the lessons in all of that that there are things today that are like that that seem like you can't afford it or it's not the right location or what have you. And twenty or thirty years from now, people are gonna be going, Man, I should have done that. Uh, yeah. There is opportunity. I guess that's part of my my advice to myself is there's opportunity everywhere all the time. You just have to be looking for it and be willing in the moment, be willing to learn about it and discern whether it's going to be a good thing or not. Yeah. Trust your gut. Your gut you is your gut is one of the best things that you should be listening to. Always okay. trust your gut. There you go. The little book titled Blink. Yeah. Read that. Yeah. That'll help you. Yeah. Great book. Yeah. Sure. So mine's a little, a little more, more maybe it's somewhat introspective. I was talking to my 25 year old self. I'd say, you're a math nerd. You like that. Appreciate that. But pay attention to the other stuff. Your English scores have always been higher than your math scores. People constantly tell you you're a good listener. It doesn't have to be hard science to be interesting. You know, there's a lot of interest in the, what they call soft sciences. They dig into that a little bit deeper. You can make different connections and relationships through that experience. Because I spent so much time with being a nerd, I just enjoyed it. But it's not precisely where my strengths are, even though I'm called doctor up a lot of kind of stuff. It's about how do things connect, how do people relate and how they function in the world. And that's really where I get my energy. I just took a long time to figure that out. But if I'd known that at 25, yeah. things could have been not different as far as outcomes, but different as far as how to enjoy the journey. Yeah. And Sammy, you're our nerd. We love you. Aw, stop You're it. our nerd. Yeah. It's a yeah. hallmark. Yeah. It's a hallmark moment. <laughs> I'm a nerd for the world. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, buddy. <laughs> Qualified for that. 
Should you be though? Should you? So that wraps up our 100th episode. Quite silly, a little bit, like I said, introspective and a good time. And usually I'm not the guy who leads this charge, but I'm going to tell you all, this has been an absolutely fabulous journey with you. Another episode's in. I can't wait for another hundred. Learn something every time we get together, whether we're recording or not. I'm just pleased that we can keep on doing this and serve the folks who listen to this and gain morsels as they go. And I appreciate you. I appreciate the listener who's listened to this four-hour episode. It's been really educational. <laughs> but ditto to what Sammy said. It's This is fun. And I, the respect and love I have for the four of you guys, we're family. It's sad, but we are. We're family. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sad. We're a dysfunctional family. <laughs> a very dysfunctional families. family. Um, happy, but we and, have a good time. And but but you know what? When I'm in the community and someone's talking about McLaughlin, you know, when I met with a chamber director or, or I see Sammy's name in the workforce training center classes, and I follow Myra, I follow her on Facebook, seeking significance, and I follow Geyer and in his posts, and it's part of my world that I love. I appreciate you guys very much. Yep, very cool. Been really fun. All right, friends, everybody, for sure. And thank you for listening. As Conrad indicated, this will be the first podcast, I believe, in podcast history to come with an intermission. So we're glad you were able to <laughs> stick it out with us. Hey, nobody had we to go are. to the bathroom. That's, that's what that you're aware of. Push pause. <laughs> As you well know at this point, we are the No More Leadership BS podcast team. Glad you're listening. Tell a friend. Give us a five-star rating. And we can't wait to have you listen to us again. Thank you for your time. Bye, Bye. Letterbuck. <laughs>